Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Tonight's a standalone message. We're going to be talking about transformed, being transformed. When I say this is a standalone message, that means that it's not part of any series. It's something we feel like God's led us to speak about and talk about for the evening. And we hope it ministers to you like we know it will. We really feel like God's laid this in our hearts to teach. And I want you to turn with me and look at me, uh, look with me at Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to do my very best to deliver this in a simplistic way. Years ago, I had people come up to me and tell me, uh, Bobby, man, you use all these fancy words. I don't understand what you're saying. And I used to try, I thought that maybe using fancy words and big words would impress people. All it did was cause more confusion. All it did was confuse myself. And all it did was cause me to really, people would come up to me and say, you know that big word you use, it doesn't mean what you think it means. And tell me, (laughs) what you're saying is not what you're saying. So I like to keep it simple, right? God is simple, but the anointing is so strong. And this is the scripture that Jesus, the moment he had with his disciples in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. Someone say, by themselves. Sometimes God's going to call you and only you and no one else. When God calls you to go higher, don't look for everyone else to get the invitation. It's your responsibility. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, we'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elisha. And he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud. Imagine this. He's nervous. He's just stumbling down the stairway, talking, babbling. And all of a sudden, this cloud shows up above them in a bright light. Cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Be quiet. Stop talking. Just listen to him. And listen to what the scripture says. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear turn to someone and tell them don't fear anything don't be afraid and when they lifted up their eyes they saw no one but jesus only they saw no one but jesus only the last impression of their mind was is that jesus did something for them by letting them see his experience in the supernatural, if you will, and, 
And for them, looking at something like that was just totally, uh, I'm not going to say audacious, um, abnormal, but I'm going to say miraculous. It was miraculous. And for them, for them to experience and to see this before they go into their ministry was relevant for them. Because somewhere along the way, they were going to have to have their own experience. And Jesus showed them who he really was. They saw him in flesh, but now then they've seen him in the spirit. And he opened up their eyes and allowed them to take a glimpse into the heavens and to the kingdom. And they knew exactly who he was. He wasn't an ordinary man. He wasn't just some prophet. He wasn't just a teacher, a rabboni, a rabbi. He was the Son of God. And he was God manifested in human flesh. And right in front of them, he was transformed. He was transformed. Tonight, we're going to talk about being transformed and the difference between being restored and being transformed. When God found every single one of us, the first intent God had was to change us for the better. How many of you want to be changed by God? I want to be changed. So someone just lift up your voice one more time and say, God bless this service tonight. God minister to every heart in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, musicians. Thank you so much. I want to read you a scripture, another one, that I've held on to most of my Christian life and I've gleaned from, and that's from Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's inside of them due to the hardness of their heart. Sounds kind of harsh, but it really isn't. He's just being very, very honest and very very forthcoming and just being truthful with them and telling them, look, this is the way it is. This is how people are. And this is your old nature. And and so when he talks to them in verse 19, he says, They have become callous. Have you ever felt like in your walk with God there was a point that you just felt callous? Just you weren't sensitive enough to the Spirit? I think that every believer goes through a moment in their life where they feel callous. It may be because you're preoccupied with life, whatever it may be. Maybe because you've been done wrong or maybe because you've experienced something and and you just, didn't, you just didn't care. I think we've all experienced that before, right? I mean, I've done that before. I've said to my wife, you know what? I don't care. I give up. I quit. I'm, I'm done, right? I'm done. Then God comes around and gives you a little spanking or corrects you, gives you hope, however he does this. He's done it to me in so many different ways and got me back on track to help me realize 
that there was nothing more. This challenge or whatever fate I'm facing was nothing more than just an education. It was going to grow me. It was going to strengthen me. He was going to help me. It was going to develop something in my heart that I didn't have before. So when you feel like you're going callous, most of the time it's because we become numb. And when we become numb, it's whenever, like when you sit down and you cut off the circulation. And that's a horrible feeling when you get back up, right? You ever seen somebody, you ever had that happen to you? You stand up and you're like, ah. And people are asking, what's wrong with you? And you're like, my my leg fell asleep. I hate that feeling. It takes a moment for you, and it's almost painful in 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 your mind to start praying again and start walking again. But if you'll be consistent again, the blood will begin to flow again, and you'll start feeling normal again and being sensitive. This happens too much. And so they've given themselves over to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not how you, that is not the way you learn Christ, is what Paul tells the Ephesian church. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to the former man and the former life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed, everyone say renewed. That word renewed right there in verse 23, it actually comes from the Greek word that means renovate, to have a renovation, to be renewed by the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new self. Put on a new self. Created after the likeness of God and the true righteousness and holiness of who he is. So right off the bat for the Ephesian church in that fourth chapter, he jumps in and he begins to talk to the Ephesian church about being restored and not being influenced but being renewed by the spirit of your mind. Renovate. There's nothing pretty about a renovation, folks. A renovation involves taking the hammer, going into some sheetrock, pulling all the insulation out. I hate insulation. Pulling all of it out and then trying to figure out how you're going to build it back up to look better. Now, if you're going to restore something, then you're going to simply put it back the way it was. But if you're going to see something transformed, then you're going to add an addition to that. And where there was no wall before, you put a wall up and you put some cabinets there, that's a transformation. If not, then all you've done is that you restored something. You know when God found you, you you were saved and you came to the cross and you asked the Lord to forgive you and, and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior upon repentance in your life, You turned, repentance means to turn around and turn your back against sin and turn your heart towards God, right? And upon that profession of your faith, did you know that in that one moment when the Spirit of God begins to come into your life, that you have been restored back to what Adam lost in the garden? The sweet fellowship of God. Now, I don't mean in, uh, you know, Adam was naked and didn't know he was naked. We're not talking about that kind of restoration, right? 
We're talking about purity and innocence. That's what they lived in. That was innocence. They were innocent to everything they were doing, and, and they didn't know the difference between right and wrong. All they knew was good. All they knew was grace. All they knew was favor. All they knew was the goodness of God, and that good God came out every single day to talk to Adam. That was the highlight of God's day, just to come out and converse with him. So he comes out, he converses with him, and then there's a moment when they do sin that they hide because their innocence is taken. And now they have to hide, and God God talks to Adam, and Adam said, I can't come out, I'm naked. And then he says, who told you you were naked? He looked at him in his innocence, and now he's guilty. And they don't feel that pureness. They don't feel that cleanliness. And they don't feel that, that holiness of God. No one talks about holiness anymore. I think holiness is essential in the kingdom of God. I think it is. I, well, God is holy, right? We, we like to pick and choose Bible scripture like we do a buffet. Folks, God wants every word to be an essential part of your spiritual diet. It, the whole word of God, or is any of, it's not any of the word of God. I want the whole word. Give me the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Bring it all together and let it digest in your spirit. Thank you for whoever hand clapped over here. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you believe the whole word of God is true? How many of you believe that you have to take the whole word of God and trust it and believe it and it's good for you? And, and you know what? Guess what? When you really read that Bible, it's going to make you frustrated. <coughs> it's going to upset you. It's going to rub your flesh the wrong way. That's how you know that it's doing good. If you're not reading the Bible, if you're reading the Bible and it doesn't offend you, and I don't mean you're upset with God, but you're like, mm, I don't know about that. Because <clears throat> all everybody does that comes to God most of the time is complain about what they have to give up. Christianity is not about giving up stuff. It's about receiving stuff. Receiving good things. Every good, every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Every good thing in my life. I don't remember. You know, I do remember what God took from me. But the things God took from me were hurting me, harming me, and keeping me down. And everything that God gave me in replacement of that brought me up, made me smarter, made me wiser. <coughs> I got to tell you something. I, I got to tell you my testimony, a little bit of my testimony. I wasn't raised in church. I was the son of a nightclub owner. But it was a nightclub. We called it a convention center. It sounded fancy, but it wasn't. It was a big dance hall. I grew up, I was selling and, and serving alcohol, and I, didn't, at a, I was doing it illegally. Too late now. You can't catch me. Just, I didn't. I wasn't doing it right. <clears throat> we were all workers, and we were doing things we shouldn't have done, and I wasn't raised in church. I had no conscience about it, and I got to tell you something. I, I, uh, I know what it is. I, I do. I know, what, I know what it is to get hung over and want to just, I mean, 
Okay, has anybody ever been hung over that got saved? I'm telling you, it's a horrible thing. Why would anybody want to do that to themselves? I think, and I look back now, and I'm thinking, my God, that just, it's horrible. Horrible. And I remember getting so, and I'm going to, I'm just, I'm not bragging, but I'm just telling you that getting so high and wasted. When it happened to me, I stood on top of the tables at parties, and I made everyone laugh and told jokes. They thought I was a comedian, and they just applauded me and cheered me on, and and, and I'll just stand up there getting all the attention and just loving it, man, and don't remember what happened the next day, and I had this reputation of being this crazy guy, and I thought I was cool. And all those years, those things were happening, I recognized one thing. From the time God saved me and took those desires out of me, he took those desires out of me. I didn't have to try to say, God, I'm going to try to stop this. I didn't try to have to wrestle with anything. When I ultimately, when I surrendered to him, I mean wholeheartedly, and I said, God, I am ready to give you my life. It was a miracle from God. He took every desire out of me and put a spirit inside of me and gave me a desire for something called the new wine, the Holy Spirit. Then when I started praying and drinking more of his spirit, then an anointing hit me, and then God gave me an opportunity to step on a stage. And then he started to speak through me. Then he started putting people in my life, and they started calling me out and telling me, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. I ignored every one of them because I didn't want the call of men. I wanted the call of God. I just loved God, but I realized the more I prayed, the more I worshiped, I was being transformed, not restored, because I was restored upon my repentance And God gave me my innocence back. He gave me my innocence back. When God saved me and I was baptized, I had every feeling. I used to have to look back. Like I said, I wasn't raised in church. There was a time in high school I had to carry a gun. So stupid. I didn't shoot myself. Thank God I didn't shoot myself. Trying to, I didn't even know how to shoot a gun. Somebody gave me a gun because somebody was after me. So I thought I was cool, and somebody walked up to me and gave me a gun, carried it with me. <laughs> so stupid. <clears throat> Had somebody come up to me, I would have known. I, I would have right in the air. Just what am I going to do? I'm not going to shoot anybody. But I always had that feeling, even after I got married, that because when I came back to Victoria, I had moved away and I came back to Victoria. I had this feeling that somebody was watching me, that somebody was behind me. I had this feeling like people had the target on me. And I always thought, man, they're going to remember what I did when I was in high school. When I gra- they're going to remember these things. Got into a lot of fights, got into a lot of trouble. And I thought to myself, man, I hate that feeling. But when I got baptized, that feeling I had, God took it away. And I remember my wife, I told my wife, I said, honey, it's gone. She said, what's gone? I said, I had a 
feeling every time I'd walk in Victoria or we came, to, went to the grocery store or did anything, I felt like something was following me, something was behind me. When I got baptized, it left me. It left me. Then I started seeing more things happen in my life. I started seeing God restored me. God restored me. He had to tear some things down. Can you put up slide number one up there? The first one. I want to show you something. How many car guys and car enthusiasts do we have in the house or even women? Do you have the slide? They're going to throw it up in a moment. It, it is a thing to see something that's rusted, something that's rusty, something that just others have considered to be trash, to see someone else come up, take something that was junk, and then turn it back around and make it treasure. Now, it's not the best picture, but these are the these are the two different, these are two cars, the same car. But this is what most of us looked like when God found us. That's really, it really is. Rusted from sin. We weren't running right. Things weren't happening our way. And we were just rotting, to be quite honest with you. You may have been doing things in your life that seemed to be productive, but when you look back to most of you, the, most of you understand, do you remember when, before God found you, do you remember what your career was like or how your life was going? And, and the, but when favor stepped in, how doors opened up for you, things began to happen, favor began to fall on you, things began to transform. I'm telling you, living for God pays off. Living, just living for God pays off. But when God restored me and restored you, you were the same model with a new paint job, right? You were the same model with new tires, new engine. Your spirit was strong. You looked good because you were smiling all the time. And if you have never experienced that kind of joy in your life, can let me encourage you before you leave tonight, surrender to him. Just surrender to him, and he's going to fix you and restore you and begin to work in your life. But a total overhaul is necessary by simply you and I standing still long enough for him to work on us. You know why I come to church? I come to church for a regular tune-up. I come to church for a regular tune-up and tire rotation. I want to make sure everything works right. Uh, I want to make sure everything's running right. I want to make sure that God is in my life. I need to come back to church to get fueled up. I need, I mean, I do. I come to, I don't come to church just to preach to you only. I come to church because when I do preach and do teach, I'm getting fed too. And I need that. I need God to touch me. I don't mind preaching all the time. I don't, I'm not the kind of preacher that has to go to conferences every single month. I'm just not that kind of guy. I, I mean, I, I pray, I seek God, I love listening to preaching, I do, but honestly, 
I love this house. I love worshiping with you, but I love the anointing. I love the Spirit of God. There's something special about this house if you'll open up your heart and if you'll lift up your hands and you'll just feel comfortable and let God begin to work on you, transform you, accept it. It's a safe place. And just I'm telling you, just open up your minds and realize that God is so powerful. God is so meticulous as well. He's a God of details. He will go into every intricate part of your heart and fine-tune some things that you didn't even recognize or notice that were there. And when God begins to work on you, let him work on you. Someone say conviction. Let your convictions happen. And stop worrying about if it's somebody else's conviction or not. It's yours. The Holy Spirit gave it to you just for you. So you need to be sensitive to him. Point number one, and the only point I'm making tonight is this. Transformation precedes promotion. I talked about being restored. But throw the second slide up. This is transformation. That, my friend, is a 2019 Camaro. Same brand, different model, but looks nothing like it, the other ones looked. That's not restored. That's transformed. What Peter and John saw on, the, on that mountain of transfiguration with James, what they saw was Jesus completely transformed on the mountain called Mount Transfiguration. And they saw in the spirit world. Can I tell you, if you knew how you looked in the spirit after a church service, you'd realize how valuable you were. You know, the Bible says that we have access to the riches in Christ Jesus. And that's not talking about gold and it's not talking about revenue. It's not talking about money. It's talking about spiritual giftings and also his nature. When God touches the life of a believer... He begins a transformation process. Uh, let me read you this. Let me give you the ultimate transformation. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58. Behold, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. In the King James, it says, is it like this? In the next scripture, and when this perishable body puts on the imperishable, then the mortal puts on immortality. And then it goes on further and says, Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Not in vain. That means that every time you pray, there is something happening in the spirit. Every time you work and you serve, a life is being changed. Every time you come to church, your spirit is being refreshed, encouraged. As I'm obeying the Holy Ghost, believe it or not, we're just human, but we have a heart for God. And if I'm hearing the voice of God and I'm repeating what the Holy Ghost is saying, if you'll receive that and believe that, Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God, and you will be encouraged, and your faith will be enlightened. I'm not lying to you. This is in the Bible. Go home and study it again and look at the Bible, and I'm telling you, that word is true. That word will never fail. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this word will not pass away. It will always do something great in your life, and it can renew the spirit of your mind. Somebody lift up your hands and give God a praise break and tell him, thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, can you throw up that Camaro up again? Oh, there it is. Isn't that pretty? Que bonito. Look, here, here, here is what you look like after a church service. This is what the disciples saw when they saw Jesus. You understand the analogy? Can you imagine how your spirit and your soul will run just by being consistently going into his presence? You know what's phenomenal about that phenomenon? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the worshipers, the worshipers who follow him in spirit and truth is that you are never, ever without access to enter into his presence. You can access his presence every single day, no matter where you are. I was driving the other I was driving yesterday, I think it was yesterday. I was going to the store, and while I was driving down the road, I was going to Best Buy. I had to go there to get something. And, and when I went there on the, on the road, the Holy Ghost just hit me. And I started praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues in the, on the highway, on, on the barrow. I didn't care who was looking at me. I don't care who's watching me. And, I, and when I start doing it by myself, I'm going to tell you something. You, you think I'm singing a Van Halen song or something, right? I mean, I get into it, and my hands start moving, and, and I'll do it, man. And, and sometimes I'm with my wife, right, and I start getting on a subject, and I get excited about it. And I'll sound just like this, and I'll look just like this right here. And I'm talking to her, and my eyes are wide, and I'm saying some things, and she'll tell me, calm down, calm down. People are looking at us. I don't care who's looking at me. I'm telling you, this is true. And I'll just start going on and on and on. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just encouraging you. You're going to get excited. If you feel God, give it away, man. Get into it wherever you're at. I don't, I mean, listen, you know. To each his own. But anyhow, I'm driving down the road, and I start feeling God, and then God starts telling me to pray for people. 
then that when that moves on me like that and I feel to pray for you, to check on you, I'm going to give you a phone call. I'm going to give you a call right away. And I'm going to tell you, if I feel like God spoke to me about something, I'm not, I'm not, I've learned a long time ago that I don't just call you up and just tell you all this all the time. I feel like God's going to bless you this week in general. I don't, I don't do that all the time. I don't do that kind of stuff. If God speaks to me specifically about something, I'm going to give you specifics. Because I believe that is God's word for us every day, every hour of the day, every second of the week. I believe God wants to bless you. That's a given. You can prophesy to somebody right now and tell them, you know what? God's going to bless you big. I believe that's God's will for your life. But when you've been transformed and you can see God and feel God in a different light, you walk in a different kind of authority and you carry a different sense of responsibility and your engine begins to rev up and you feel something burning on the inside and churning on the inside. And whenever you start to walk, there's a different joy about you, not the kind of joy you get from a from, from, a, from a pay raise. And I thank God for that $20,000, whoever that was. <laughs> Praise God for that, man. That's going to help. Don't forget to pay your tithes. I'm just saying. <laughs> and all the help we can get. <laughs> but the kind of joy that no one understands. <laughs> the kind of joy that gets you through trauma. The kind of joy that gets you through every trial. The scripture says, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. You mean Jesus had joy when he did it? Jesus had joy before he did it, while he was doing it, and after he did it. He walked in it all the time. He was transformed. Let me, let me explain to you like this. Being restored is wonderful, but being transformed is necessary. And let me share the difference with you. When Peter, when Peter, he believed in Jesus, he believed in Jesus. He had experience with Jesus while he was a disciple, walking with him on this earth, but he lacked power. He lacked something in his life. He couldn't even stand up for the group or for the Lord when he was being persecuted. They called him out and said, aren't you one of his disciples? And he said, I don't know who that guy is. Started to curse right? He was missing something. He was missing something. But then when Jesus saw him again, and Jesus spoke to him one time, he said, Peter, when thou art converted, when you are converted, then you strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers, your disciples, in your life, your, your, your brothers in Christ, the people around you, your family, strengthen them. And the guy who didn't have the gall, didn't have the backbone, didn't have the strength, didn't have, he was filled with fear, that guy, that guy, after receiving power from on high in Acts chapter 2, after receiving an experience with God, because God said, wait there. I mean, have you ever taken your car for an old change and tell them, hey, just follow me around. i got to go run some places. We'll do it at every stop. I mean, when you go for an old change, 
You take your car, give them the keys to your car, and tell them, here it is, it's all yours. Then they have to park it, and they have to drive it over the pit or raise it up, however they do it, and you have to let it happen, right? Everyone say, wait. I have no idea why I'm talking about cars tonight. God told them to wait until you be endued with power from on high. Do you want power? Not willpower, W-I-L-L, but real power, R-E-A-L. Do you want real power? Most of us have been operating on willpower, right? W-E-W-H-E-E-L. You've been operating off of your willpower, but God wants to give you real power. That's the difference. Your will will only take you so far, but God's real power will take you further than you can expect. And on that day, when Peter received what he needed, he's the one that stood up to the entire town, faced all the nations, and preached the most historical message in the New Testament after the Gospels ever heard. He preached on the day of Pentecost, and he stood up, and he told them what they must do to be saved. And 3,000, 3,000 souls were added to the church that day, and they were baptized in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, and they all experienced a touch from God in their life, and lives were changed. But see, that was Peter's promotion. Peter was being promoted. He became a leader of the church. But before he could become the leader God asked him to be, he had to be transformed. He had to be changed. He had to accept it. I'm telling you, there is so much that God has for you. The reason why God wants to transform you is because he wants to alter your character because you have great talent, you have great skills, you have great ability, you have great work ethics, but the character you have has to be transformed so your character can stay sustain where your talent takes you. I'm telling you, I've seen people that were so talented that had a good work ethic but lacked character. They lacked some integrity. They lacked some moral standings and a more good moral compass to tell them the difference between right and wrong. You know, I, I'm going to tell you right now, by nature, I'm a weak man. I know I'm weak. That why, that's why I come to church. That's why I need him every day. He said he's chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are strong and mighty. He's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things that are wise, that no flesh would get the glory in his presence. He wants to credit for everything. You know why you're sitting here tonight? Because Jesus touched you, period. That's why we're sitting here tonight. We're not sitting, you're not sitting here because you got a high IQ. You're not sitting here tonight because you look good. You're not sitting here tonight because you smell good. You're not sitting here. You're sitting here tonight by the grace of God in your life. Some God have mercy on you and your soul. You're at church on a Wednesday night, somebody. On a Wednesday night at 819. I know what time it is. Eight o'clock in the evening, 
you're at church. Some of you guys, I know. If you wouldn't have God in your life, you'd be like, I'm staying home to watch the game. But look at you coming to church, lifting up your hands. That means something. God's transforming your life. He's shifting your desires. He's changing the, 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 the spiritual temperature in your life. And if you can just see what you look like in the spirit, I'm going to tell you, I don't care about the stature of a man or a woman, but if they're a praying person in the spirit, they may be five feet five inches in the flesh. But if they've got a prayer life and they're a worshiper, they're probably 10 feet in the spirit and they can drive demons back and they can see demonic spirits driven out of their families. It does nothing to do with the way you look on the outside. It has everything to do with how you operate and function and look like on the inside. You're covered by the blood. You're covered by the blood. You're, you're, you're lubricated by the blood. You're fueled by the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you right now. The blood of Jesus keeps us functioning properly, but the Holy Ghost gives us the fire that we need and that combustion that we need, and it gets our will conformed to his will, and things begin to happen. Lord, I love you tonight, Jesus. I love you tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I get it. I get it. After all these years, I get it. You know, I was raised in church when I was, when I was saved. Now, I was raised in a denominal church, you know. I was raised in a denominal church and slam dunk the water. Did your thing. I will say this. The bread in that church was phenomenal. Those wafers, boy. Whew. I went up just to taste the bread. But then I got saved in a Pentecostal church. One of them wild churches. The one where if there weren't bobby pins on the floor, you didn't have church. <laughs> the kind of church where people would run up the walls and bite the ceilings. <laughs> I've seen people saved when I was growing up, and, and, and I was about 19, married at 19, married at 18. How was that when I got married? Hijo. How long have we been? Yeah, almost 20. We need to see people get crazy, right? Don't hate me now because you, 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 you may come from the same background. I appreciate the shout. I appreciate the run. I appreciate all that stuff jumping up and down. But I've seen the same people that did that kind of stuff go out there and gossip about people, talk about people, or never got loose from things in their life and it was an emotional experience I'm sure and some of it a lot of it was genuine 
But what I learned throughout the years is a true transformation isn't just emotional, emotion only. It's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Being in God's presence is very emotional. I mean, I cry in his presence. I love to feel his presence. You know, and if God tells me to roll on the ground, y'all know nothing about that, do you? God tells me to roll on the ground, I'm going to roll. God tells me to jump, I'm going to jump, whatever he tells me to do. But most of my life, when I've got a hold of what really happens in the spirit, when God transforms a life, has always been preceded by peace and love. And I had to stay still long enough to soak into his presence so he can work on my mind. And I had to let him talk to me every once in a while. And most of the time, instead of me always talking to him. You remember when the kids were little? Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Yeah. Hey, Dad. Guess what? 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 Man, Dad, you're not going to believe it. What? What is it? What, man, Dad? You're not going to believe it. What? Imagine how God feels. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus, 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 Jesus. What, 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 what? I learned to mature a little bit and started having conversation with him, start talking with him. And when I prayed in the spirit, I began to let him flow through me and let him begin to and be sensitive to what I was hearing and feeling and staying there long enough. And when you stay still long enough in that and you're consistent with that every single day and you take that word and you hold it in your heart, it's your, let me encourage some of you who are struggling reading your Bible. And don't misunderstand me, but I'm going to help you. you are better, you're better off taking one scripture and memorizing it for the day than reading, in a whole, than reading a whole book and forgetting what you read. You're making it too hard. Take one scripture, memorize it, pray it, sing it throughout the day. Take another one the next day. At the end of the week, begin to recite it. You'll memorize a whole chapter. Be consistent with that, and you'll learn more. But take small steps. It's not impossible. Don't think about, oh, man, I got to give up things in my life. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait to get back to church. I can't wait to get involved. I can't wait to do this. But that means I got to stop doing this. I got to stop going there. It doesn't mean anything. God's going to take care of all that stuff. He'll put a stronger desire in you to live for him. He's going to prove to you that it has, everything has to do about love. And God transforms you. He changes you. He restores you. I mean, how many of you have ever been restored? You know, my prayer has always been, God, don't restore me. Don't, if I failed in the area... Or if I made a mistake, I never asked God to put me back or give me back what I had prior to that. Because if what I had prior to that didn't keep me, then I don't want it back. I want more. So, Lord, thank you for restoration. But, God, I want to be transformed. I want to look different. I don't want to be the same Bobby. I don't want to be the same. Some call me Robert, some call me Bobby. I don't care what you call me, just don't call me late for supper, right? <laughs> but he calls me son. And that's all that matters to me. My relationship with him, I love him. And I'm not ashamed to tell somebody I love him. I'm not ashamed to tell somebody I live for him, I'll stand for him. 
I'm not ashamed to, to stay there. And I'm not ashamed to, and listen, I, I've told people before, when if I woke up in the morning and it's late, you know, I wake up past 8 o'clock or whatever, and I didn't have time to pray that morning or whatever time, I'll spend time and I'll be late for whatever else I got to do just to spend time with him because spending time with him is more important than spending time with anybody else. So you have to prioritize it. What's important to you? And don't rush it. Stay there long enough. And you're going to see some things happen in your life. Come on, Haley. You're going to see some things transform. And he's going to take one desire and put another desire there. He's going to take a, a, a fear and intimidation factor that you may have had. And he's going to replace it by faith and boldness and courage in your life. He's going to do some things where you had hatred and impatience there. Maybe you've had some insecurities. It doesn't matter. God's going to put some faith put some love. He's going to put some areas in your life and fix them and change them. That's what God wants. He wants you to strengthen your family after you have been converted. God wants a conversion. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.